Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast, brought to you by Blue Box Partners, the only show dedicated to small business residential surveyors and valuers, created by surveyors for surveyors. In every episode, you'll learn something new about the vibrant and thriving industry of residential surveying. We don't mind what flavor of surveyor you are or what level of experience you might have. If you're in the business of helping people with their homes, this is the community for you. So I'm pleased to welcome today to the podcast, Kevin Keane, who works for eServe. Kevin, tell us a bit about yourself and your job. Thanks very much. My name's Kevin. I'm a charter surveyor working for um, eServe in Scotland. Um, it trades under the name of Walker Fraser Steel. Um, I've worked with them since graduating, so seven years ago, and uh, my daily work mainly um, is carrying out mortgage valuations and home reports and the likes around about central Scotland. And I just introduced you incorrectly then as eServe, and it's <laughs> Walker Fraser well, Steel. It isn't, it isn't. I still use both emails because Walker Fraser Steel is so long to, you know, when you're trying to get something from an estate agent, you, have them, you, you just use eServe or um, it, but Walker Fraser Steel. And it's actually quite hard because you turn up to people's houses and sometimes they'd expect an eServe or Walker Fraser Steel. So a bit of a hybrid. And I've heard that from my days when I was uh, um, at another corporate and they had a different brand in, in Scotland. And I've heard that, that actually local brands or names up there are better than the English ones. Is that, is that yeah, true? I think or? People, yeah, I think, I mean, we've even got a mixed opinion in terms of our colleagues, but I prefer uh, Walker Fraser Steel. It does sound a bit less corporate, a bit more, I think they liked it because it's a bit more tart and friendly. Um, it's a really historical name in Scotland. So if you go to someone who's maybe been around a bit longer, they recognise it as, a, um, you know, they used to do a bit of high-end estate agency work, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago as well. And it's all about that brand, isn't it? Which is really important, mm. obviously, to businesses and, and getting known. And um, yeah, it sounds like something out of um, Outlander. <laughs> yeah, which was filmed near me, yeah. Oh, was it? Was it? <laughs> oh, I discovered that over Christmas and watched the whole lot. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't uh, in, a, in a binge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so tell me, why did you become a surveyor? So you've been a surveyor seven years, so seven quite years, new, yeah. new into it, I guess, compared to to some. But um, so yeah, how to how go, did you get um, into it? I think to go right back to the start, you know, take it right back to high school. And I wasn't actually the most, I didn't get the best grades at high school. I'd done a lot of voluntary work at a charity and I enjoyed going there more than I did studying, obviously. And um, I was sitting with my careers advisor and I told her I wanted to be an architect. And she says, you know, well, have you thought about a trade? I don't think university's the way for you. I'd actually managed to get the chance of an opportunity doing architectural course in Aberdeen. And I decided I was too young to move to Aberdeen. You know, I'd always stayed in the same place. Didn't quite feel mature enough or ready for that. And I took a HMD course in Glasgow doing architectural conservation. And I absolutely loved it. The two years were full on. It was such a good there was 30 people in the course, but within about six months, there was only eight of us. So we had a great group and we went around Glasgow going up scaffolding at the cathedral, you know, looking at different things that were going on. We went down to Killeen Castle. It's got a it's historic Scotland's run a stonemason's workshop from there. So it was really, really interesting. It was quite hands-on. We even took time to go and learn how to build a wall, plaster a wall, tile a wall, things like that. You know, I think so you had a bit of respect for the trades out there. And from that, I went into my third year. 
of a building surveying degree at Edinburgh, which was also was really interesting. And after that, you know, you're applying for jobs, stressing, coming at university, am I going to get a job? I had about five interviews on the north coast of Scotland. Something was drawn me to there. <laughs> I'd actually accepted a job as a technical surveyor with Aberdeen City Council. And so that would have been going down a slightly different route. With the, I think it was with the CIOB that they were sort of doing it with because they had um, 300 bridges and monuments, etc. to look after. And I had this interview with ESER the day after graduation. So after my graduation ceremony, I didn't even have dinner, glass of fizz, nothing. I was right in the car down to Manchester and I had an interview there with um, Paul Trott, who was the manager at ESER at the time. And so that was about June and I started in September. And that was it. I started day one sitting in the head office in Kettering. Five of us, they called us the Fantastic Five because we were the first five out of about 100 and... I don't know, there must be well over 120, I think now. Um, so we spent five days in the sort of boardroom at ESurf. And day one, I didn't know what a comparable was. I had no idea really what the job was I had signed up for. Very little... You know, I had researched it, obviously, for the interview and things, but I didn't have any experience of the actual job. And that was coming from people, you know, I've heard in podcasts previously about, you know, people that don't have RICS accredited degrees. You're like, well, I had one and it didn't didn't learn me about that. <laughs> and it, that's a really scary time for people once they've, getting, once they've got qualified, is how do yeah. you do you get a job and you've got people who sort of qualify through the SAVA ASOC route Mm -hmm. and they tend to have a sort of a bit more work experience and and things but when you've gone through university and you need to get that hands-on experience gosh it's hard isn't it to find to to find a job because actually you don't earn a company any money Mm -hmm. until you can fear and so it's a real big risk and investment for for some of these bigger firms to to go down that route and to start to to invest and hire people, particularly when you're in the climate. So if you'd have been sort of seven years ago, we'd yeah. be coming out the last sort of recession where they got made every all the surveys redundant, and you would have been the new mm-hmm. the new ones that, uh, that that came in. And uh, I think day one, you know, I was uh, day one. I went to an office in Glasgow, an area manager who's now retired. Um, you know, he had a new staff member arrive who he had never met. He had an interview. I was interviewed down south. So then you were given a couple of phone numbers. These are going to be your mentors. And my mentor was fantastic. Uh, Mark, you know, what's this, what's the saying? It's like an unsung hero. Um, unsung hero, yeah. Unsung hero, yeah. that's it. Um, you know, he's really thorough. To, he's a great trainer. He took loads of time. I phone him every day still. And... Um, I was out in the car and he, he says to me last week, he was like, remember seven years ago how um, how excited you were? Because I used to say, oh, it's so exciting. You just don't know where you're going to be tomorrow. On a Friday afternoon, I was like, where are we going on Monday? Um, so I think he found it quite funny, you know, that sort of fresh um, take on it after. He had done it for 20 years, but no, he's um, learned me everything, definitely. I say learned as it taught. See, this is what I mean. I've got bad English, bad grammar. <laughs> Mother Hand always pulls me up for using the wrong words. <laughs> you know what, as long as the words get out and we get the gist, that's that's the that's the thing. So with your your work then, so so in your HND and, and the kind of work that you described, you obviously find a variety of property. Yeah. You know, not just residential but commercial and historic no. and, and all of those things. And then you moved over to a, a firm that purely does residential. Yeah. How did how did you you find that? Because one of the things a lot of surveyors like is the variety. 
yeah. of the different work. Yeah. But what, what I think it was, um, you know, I think I'll be brutally honest. And at that time, you know, you were looking for a job with a good sort of strong company with a, a plan for a team of graduates, which it certainly had. And I've always loved houses, you know, I, 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 and that's, I think even going back, you know, why I wanted to do this from a young age was, you know, I used to walk home from school and there was a building which had no roof, trees grown out of it, no windows, just railings so that people couldn't get in. And then one day the trees were away, the roof was up and I couldn't believe it. I thought it was amazing. And just seeing that sort of change in the property and, you know, thinking why has somebody done that? And, you know, why was it, what happened that it went to ruin sort of thing? And I think growing up in this area, there's such a big mix of properties so although you're looking for a range, I think in residential property there there can be a range, and certainly where I am, you know, you see, you know, I was I was actually in a house last week that was seventeen hundred meters squared. It was huge, and I turned up, the gates opened, and I'm driving down the driveway, and I'm thinking, "Geez, look at this! This is a showstopper! This is exciting!" And at the same time, thinking, "Where am I going to get a comparable for this?" <laughs> <laughs> It was, uh, and how long is it going to take me to measure? And uh, but it was, I was there for over two hours um, for a mortgage valuation, and I think that's even though now you've got a, a longer day, a lot more work involved, and in that's the sort of um, what makes you tick, isn't it? Seeing something that's different, a bit more interesting, and it makes you work really hard to arrive at that figure and things like that as well. It was a modern house, so there wasn't any issues in terms of condition. Mm. One thing I notice with a lot of, I guess, sort of students that are trainees and, and newly qualified that are coming through is they, they get put off by valuation. And I guess there's some scary stories of being sued. Yeah. You know, there's some big cases that we hear of and we learn about that as we, as we get qualified. Nobody comes out to work to do a bad job, not unless you've got real issues, you know. No one yeah. sets out to do a bad job. And sometimes these things happen and claims happen and the mortgage market changes and all of those things. But sometimes, so there's that aspect that puts people off. But then also, I guess, just the, we're using different sides of our brain. So as a surveyor, you walk into a, a building and it's very tactile. And I don't remember, just, just me, I'm hoping someone out there this will resonate with, but you walk into a building and you can just feel it. You know, you can sort of mm. feel the age of it. And, you know, as you walk around and do your work, you know, you have to touch the walls and mm-hmm. the, the, the different bits. And it's quite a, it's quite a sort of a, a physical aspect to it. But then when you go to the valuation, that's using stuff in your brain. And that's what we talk about valuation being an art, not a science. Yeah, yeah you know, definitely. And, and, and we, we instantly want to work out the logic and, and, and deductions and, and all of those things. You know, when back in the day, there was a lot of back of the fag packet um, mm-hmm. valuations yeah. going on. But you do come to a point where you have to trust your gut instinct yeah. as to what it's worth. That all comes back to what I call mastery of your job and knowing the market and knowing what's going on, which allows mm. you to then get to that point of, of what, of what some things worth, but you're using different sides of your brain. So if you came from a non-valuation background, how did you find that introduction to it? I think, you know, starting on day one, going out with Mark and we were going to houses and there was a, there was a mix of, you know, mortgage valuations, remortgages, um, home reports, single surveys, things like that. But I think, because starting the job was a brand new start for me, the whole process was just sort of stepping stones of learning. And then I think um, I found I started to find the valuation side really interesting as to you know well, why is why is someone going to pay fifty grand more to stay in this street 
than two streets down and then looking that that's our research and I think it's not even just evaluation it's interesting finding out what makes people tick so what they're happy to pay for how they live why they live that way you're absolutely right it's uh it's like that customer psychology and that's mm-hmm. what really got me interested when I was dealing with claims. You know, why does it go wrong? Why does it take someone, you know, 18 months to complain about something that was clearly really annoying? You know, but when you start to sort of pick it all back, why did they pay what they paid? And it's that customer psychology bit, which which is, mm-hmm. for me, the, the interesting part of evaluation. Yeah. And that often gets, gets really overlooked, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the patch that you work in. Uh, tell me about yeah. that. It's got quite a lot of variety in there. Yeah, I actually cover quite a larger area. As we know, the surveyors are an ageing population. So I've got a couple of colleagues that are down to three days a week. So I cover their areas as well, so a couple of days a week. But it's all relative to where I am. So I cover from sort of Creef and Octorarda, which is where I've had a couple of pictures of Glen Eagles Hotel and things like that. Nice there, right down stay in Stirling, which is really the heart of Scotland. You can get anywhere in less than half an hour. You're 20 minutes into Glasgow, 35 minutes in Edinburgh. So although it's a big area, it's really achievable for where I live. And there isn't, if someone asked me to condense my area, it'd be hard to pick something that you'd want to cut off because I quite like seeing, although I can spend quite a high percentage of your time in the car, it's worth it to have the interesting job. And I know... um, you know, even from, I think, going through the APC, you know, to have that range of properties and things was a big help um, as possibly better than some of my colleagues in London who are seeing a, a big majority of very similar properties as well. Yeah, and that's the thing with your APC. It is like, in the nicest sense, you've just got to learn to yeah. pass your driving test. You yeah. know, I, and think, then, I think the APC, you know. I, sorry, I'm interrupting. I think the APC actually made me more fall in love with my job again to be honest. I mean even though I had so I started in 2013 I think I'd done my Socrates in late 14 early 15 and then I only passed my APC last June um second second attempt but I think I met with Kate Taylor in sort of January 15 and she I mean it's, she is quite an exciting person she really puts the the energy into it so we had uh, two or three days with her and Kate and, and um Later on in the process, you know, I had um, mock interviews with Fiona Haggett, who has a lot to do with the mm, survey yeah. hub and things as well. Yeah. And she's quite a, a well-known name and I actually threw a glass of water over her by accident. Oh, in, no. the, <laughs> <laughs> in the mock interview, I was setting up my uh, presentation and it was one of those sort of flip charts. So I sat and sent it up, you know, I'm hot and in my shirt and it just fell and the water went all over the table and we're all trying to tighten it. It was like, well, there's a nice, a nice break up to the start of an APC interview, mock interview. So I'll never live that down, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a few horror stories that we've all been we've all been through on um uh, on APC interviews and but yeah no two fabulous ladies that I know uh, know really well so it's really good to to hear about that so you're in Scotland and the housing market or the way it operates is different up there yeah can you enlighten some of us who don't understand how that works I suppose it's quite funny because a lot of my colleagues have asked me that question for years and I say well I only know what happens in Scotland as well but for talking to them I know that it's different because to put your property on the market in Scotland it's a legal requirement that you've got a single survey home report carried out by a charter surveyor so and then it's on the market with an estate agent so it's on the market with 
have a, a you know a registered valuation carried out, so there's less chance of the want for a better word down valuations. So that doesn't happen, but it doesn't happen as often. So and usually, you know, we do this if we think, you know, sometimes the instruction comes through the stage and it will say with them actually it's a wee bit high. How did you think we were going to be able to justify it, etc.? And then it's different in terms of when you offer on a property, it's a bit more legally binding and it's not sort of subject to contract. Your offer wouldn't be accepted if it was sort of subject to sales sort of things a lot of the time nowadays. So it gives a bit greater certainty, I believe. And we don't have the issues with freehold and leasehold. Yeah. It's just absolute yeah. um, ownership. It was abolished long before my time. But the home reports have been on the go since December 2008. So previous to when I started. So it's all I've known. But I know that historically you could have been uh, you know, doing a survey on the same property for a few different clients. Yeah. And many moons ago, I did my dissertation at uni or institute, as it was then called, on the seller's pack and actually whether a, a an upfront report would be, would yeah. be any good. And I think I've probably got it on a floppy disk in my loft somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a computer that uses floppy disks and it hasn't rotted. <laughs> but it's probably got all the answers to the, you know, the, the housing crisis and, you know, what we should be, <laughs> should be doing. But even now, over the last sort of year or so, I've been involved with a group led by Kate Faulkner called the Home Buying and Selling Group, which has been bringing the industry together across the whole home buying and selling process to look at, well, how can we do things better? And nobody's calling anything a, a seller's pack, but the opportunity for upfront information, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it still makes logical sense. And there were lots of mm. political reasons why it didn't happen the, the first time round. But we're 20 plus years on of technology you yeah. know, um, right move as it is now wasn't wasn't there back then. You know, the um, the digitization, the, the, the everything that we've got, we've got so much technology. We just need to bring it all together. Um, and just when you think you're starting to make progress, pandemic hits. <laughs> it's crazy. And I was thinking how how I was trying to remember how I we first sort of connected. And I think you might have joined one of our little um surveyor yeah, hub conversations yeah. that we had. A lonely afternoon, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So so through the the lockdown and pandemic, through the surveyor hub, we just had these, you know, um like a weekly video call. You could just join in just to have a chat, you know, mm-hmm. with a couple of surveyors. Nothing more than that. that so was a, it was fair. a great idea. I think it was great in connecting people who you know, I've got colleagues, there's a lot of people out there who are sole workers, sole traders, run their own business and maybe had no one to, to sort of bounce off. So it was nice. And also just to get to use Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, that, and, that, and that kind of technology, yeah. you know, a lot of us hadn't, I mean, I've been using it for a few years, but a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to use that and it's really changed things. How was the lockdown and, and things like that for you? It was quite funny for me because I wasn't furloughed at all. Um, I worked right through this. Um, we've got remote valuation app, which we do quite a lot of work, but done it anyway. And obviously it was intensified to keep things ticking over during the lockdown. During May, I went down to a four-day week, which was, it was nice to have that Thursday off. And, you know, because everybody was, this, you know, it was weird. The sun was out. Everybody was out enjoying themselves. And I was like really happy and thankful to still be working as part of the green team that they called us. There was, I think it was five in my team that was still working. Um, and so when it came to getting the Thursday off, it was nice. And then we went back to five days in June and we were back out. We were one of the sort of later firms in Scotland um, to be out, you know, in terms of 
making sure it was proper. Um, I think we were just at the very end of June. Yeah, so the very end of June, and that was it. You know, we were out with the gloves, the masks, the hand sanitizer, the wipes, everything taking a wee bit longer with a, a massive backlog of work to get through. Um, so it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind, you know, since I think you know even this just this this whole year has just flown by. And um, you know, totally off topic, I was meant to be getting married in October and going away to Singapore and Bali, and before to move that reshuffle that, change this. And just before you called me there, I had a, a painter and decorator and given me a quote because I thought, well, we've, we were going to get this done next year. We'll just get it done the now. I think it's funny because you, pr- I think even during lockdown, you start thinking, call lockdown, even though I was still working, you're in the house, not going anywhere. You start thinking, you know, how do I want to work for the rest of my life? Where do you mm. want to be? You know, I always think, you know, because you see houses every day, I always think I want this big grand house. And now, you know, I'm thinking, you just you want to live, you want to enjoy yourself, you want to travel, you know. And now that the sort of restrictions are there on traveling, it, it makes you more. It's like if someone tells you you can't have a McDonald's, you want a McDonald's. Someone tells you you can't travel, you're like, I want, I want to go places. And um, so I think it's made me think. We've had a couple of things in our life the past few years that's made us think about you know living life for the now and not planning too far or you know waiting too long to enjoy yourself. So sort I of think. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think there's a lot of people who are who are feeling that that we sort of come out of it with a sense of, well, why do I do what I do? Why do I work those hours? And having a real sense of purpose to their work and a more yeah. meaningful and wanting to make a, a difference. And I see that on the mastermind that I that I run. That we a lot of people we do some work on values. Mm-hmm. You know what's important to you. And you know it sounds a bit fluffy. You know when you um, yeah. but actually when you work those things out, it helps you sort of have some some lines drawn in the yeah. sand of where your boundaries are, what's acceptable, what's not, what you're willing to put yeah. up with. Not. I think, you know, even even on that, we've got, you know, sometimes people are working a lot because they want to, like our our managers are quite supportive if, you know, you think you're you're doing too much, you know, they can change it, they call themselves an employer of choice and that we are definitely supported through our, our team, not even just the area managers, but our, our colleagues. We make sure that, you know, if I've got a really heavy day, someone else will help out. We work between each other that way, um, which is nice. And now to see, you know, the business allowing some of the guys to go down to three days a week is nice. Um, and I think it's nice to keep them there. And, you know, they're more inclined to, they're really a, a lot happier when you speak to them. And I'm like, maybe that's, maybe all of us should be working three, three days a week. That would be nice. Well, they've talked about it in the past, in the past, haven't yeah. they? And yeah, you know, and you know, I sort of worked through through lockdown. You know, I worked mm-hmm. for myself, and we couldn't. We were I was excluded from all of the benefits and grants and all of those things. Yeah. But actually, I run a small business, and so if I didn't mm. work, then we wouldn't have had a yeah. business. And there's a real divide between, and we saw this in the hub between surveyors that you know were just on furlough and or might even still be on furlough there's a, a yeah. few around and just a couple not of my friends are yeah yeah and then and then those that have actually worked really hard and twice as much and then you come back in when you then come back in you've got the the worry about going out and all the ppe and then dealing with the backlog and it's all you know you've got those things and then it's like cracky you want to stay in a job and earn some money to keep the roof over yeah. your head it's all of those pressures yeah. how did you feel about all the ppe and are you still wearing that kind yes. of stuff when you go yeah. out? Yeah, um, obviously we're very, very hot on health and safety from the company and everything is, uh, so from the very start, we've always had our little personal safety devices and now we've got gloves, masks. My ha- my ha- I've never had 
to buy hand cream. <laughs> my hands are so dry from hand sanitizer. I learned very quickly about the powder gloves when you take them off. My trousers were covered in the powder, so now I've got the non-powdered gloves. So it's been interesting. And actually, I've, ne- I've not had any problems with anyone in their property. Everyone's been super, which has been really nice because I think that was what I was more worried about. Well, you know, because our booking team goes through quite a rigorous... Um, checklist with them you know have you been here done this done that and ask them to have all the doors open is it possible to wait outside but some people you know it's their home they want to be in there that's fine uh, we'll just take the steps to make that possible yeah it's all, so it's, I haven't had any it's all doable yeah it's all, it's all doable isn't it but like and I guess uh, the more that we go out and do this work the more familiar we become with it the more certain yeah. That we've mm-hmm. done with it but there's still a lot of surveyors out there who you know they're actually high risk they're more mature yeah definitely. You know, and and you know they might be shielding somebody at home and i think we've got to remember that not everybody can can not everybody could rush back yeah. to work and not everyone can still go back to work and mm-hmm. just be mindful of, of those out there you've um one of the things i wanted to talk to you about was social media because i've been on instagram for a little while just playing with it. If, if I'm honest, I'm in my forties. I'm not, no. you know. I just, yeah, I am. <laughs> and I, you know, I just, I just tinker like one of those, one of those mums that play on on Facebook <laughs> and, and Instagram. And it took me a while to get my head around it, posting pictures and, mm-hmm. and things. And you know, if anyone looks at my feed, they'll see all sorts of random things in there. But then I came across you, and you're on Instagram posting pictures of places you've been and and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and it's actually interesting because quite a lot of them are just, you know, it's not even houses I'm at on a work basis. It's just walking past, driving past. Um, I think I quite like the whole sort of connection with people and people, you know, it creates a little bit of discussion under it, doesn't it? And it, I don't know, I suppose that it does give you a bit sort of company when you're in a, when you work on your own, it's quite isolating. And no, I've, I've quite enjoyed it, especially the past three, four months. It's been a bit different been a bit harder to crack sort of LinkedIn because I always see it as you know you read people saying it shouldn't be used as Facebook it's there for work but you get a big mix on it and so sometimes I'll like put that on Instagram should I post that to link I don't know it sort of gives you that sort uh, do, you of know what? do you know what it's uh the people think there's so many rules but yeah. you just do what do what you want to do on social media that's that's my rule but it's knowing what you're posting for and who the audience yeah. is and, and the reason behind it. And yes, LinkedIn is more about your, your business or more about your CV. But importantly with LinkedIn, it's connected to the Google rankings. So when you type in your name, uh, in, if someone was looking for you as a surveyor and typed in your name in Google, it would automatically bring up your LinkedIn, which is why right. it's so important for so many surveyors to have a LinkedIn profile, even if you don't use it, because it's your, your CV. And it's an easy way of, of getting known and not investing in your website and, and things like that. And yet lots of surveyors are not on LinkedIn. And yeah. I discovered that. And that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast. So I went to an RICS event, I think it was Surveys in Practice one, and I think it was that one. And I was auditing uh, Larry Rusin on his presenting skills. And, you know, I got, sort of got chatting. There was about 75 people there, you know, and I, I had the delegate list that they shared. And out of 70, you know, 74, 75, there was five people on LinkedIn that really? I tracked down. And I was thinking, I was talking to people at the very saying, well, where do you how do you connect with people? And a few people had local WhatsApp groups and, you know, but they were going to those events and that's how they connected. And I thought, well, 
that's just not enough. What, what you need is support is in the moment. Mm. And so that got me on the idea of a podcast. It took a while for me to then get around to doing it. But, you know, in a podcast thinking, well, you're in your car. You can be driving around listening to interesting conversations. And yeah. then comes in the pandemic three <laughs> weeks after it had been launched. So everybody's listening to this as they walk their dogs or whatever. But uh, but yeah, surveyors aren't on, 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 on LinkedIn. And when we started the Facebook group, you know, I thought I invited about 30 people, 30 surveyors. I thought if we get 50, that'd be amazing. It's amazing. And, you know, just as an experiment and, and say, and now we've got, I think, 2,200 really? surveyors or surveyors on their way or related. Yeah. And that's just phenomenal. And in many ways, the group's too big, but still it's a, a free community place for people yeah. to go. There's a good mix, and, isn't it? There's a good mix of backgrounds and things as well. There, there is, yeah. Interest. Yeah, it's really diverse. And, you know, and, and I've got my, my private Facebook page that I've had forever and sometimes what i've struggled with is facebook business pages and i've got my own yeah. um, a woman in surveying and i'm just exploring yeah. what that looks like and then i realized uh, or found out that it's actually it can be connected to your instagram so hence i post yeah. one thing on one and it goes on something else and i think Tell linkedin that. linkedin actually can connect to your twitter you get an app that does all of them doesn't it yeah yeah, yeah and all, all of those things but um but instagram's been been interesting and but it's, it's understanding where your audience is now my yeah. my audience you know is surveyors so trying to find surveyors is is really hard and it tends to spread by by word of mouth and but my audience is different to you as surveyors because you're looking for customers, direct customers who, you know, homeowners who want a survey or evaluation. And that's where, you know, you sort of talked about what you've been doing on Instagram, but really you're building a relationship and looking at the know, like, and trust. And people want to know you, want to know you about Kevin the Surveyor and, and what you do. And the way that you present yourself and share means that they're likely to trust you, you know, and that's when they then start to to buy from you or they'll come to you whenever it is to then get to then get survey work so it's, it's, it's funny because like you were saying I actually had an Instagram and you know I actually created another Instagram just purely for surveyor stuff because I think because I'm sharing stuff more and people are starting to follow me and I was like I've had this Instagram since two, since I was in America in 2014 or something and it's <laughs> you know it's maybe me with a cocktail and at the beach or something like that and I, was, I just wanted to sort of, sort of have a separation slightly but it's actually interesting because not even so much for finding business because it sort of the business comes to us, but it's been nice to connect with other local surveyors, uh, other firms, speaking to them. Yeah. One of them stays across the street. He works for a private practice in Stirling. Uh, so we speak quite regularly. And even someone from Client Relations commented, Sam, yesterday and he was like, it's really nice to see your working day because sometimes we forget about it when we're booking your diary. So for them to feel that they know what we're going out and doing on a day-to-day basis and everyone in the company, you know, they had this theme of hashtag connect. And I think that really helps everyone feel like they're on the same front. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because not all surveyors are on social media. A lot of them will, you know, do not want to be on it at all, but you have got to embrace it and and explore and get curious. And some platforms will work more better than, than others. But you're right about sharing your day and what you're up to. And that's something that I struggle with. I'm, you know, I'm mindful. I'm, I'm a mum and I don't work the same as surveyors, but I've got that insight. But when you're dealing with customers and they want to say, well, what do you do on a survey? How does that work? But your audience is never just your customer. Your audience is other surveyors who might want to work for your firm. 
it might be yeah. people who who refer refer on and one of the i mean i cover this in the mastermind and one of the things that's really important is it's good to share a bit about yourself now you don't need to share everything this morning i was on a, on a friday morning i have a women in surveying chat and, and any woman saying can, can, can come and join. And there was a new lady there and she, and you know, I went to introduce myself. She said, Oh, I know all about you. I thought, Oh God, <laughs> what am I saying? Uh, so you don't need to overshare, but people buy from people. And so they want to know yeah. what interests you, what, what you like, what you don't like. You can do that in really subtle ways, but also with, with LinkedIn posts, with photos, it's got to be engaging. And that's the real yeah. hard part because you know, yes, we look at nice buildings, but most people live in a three-bed semi or a terrace. They don't um, live in these sort of posh houses that, you know, like the one you mentioned with the yeah. gravel drive and everything. And so they want to be able to identify with you as somebody who can who can do that work. And I, I guess I sort of liken it to, you know, if you had a picture of a pineapple, it's just a picture of a pineapple. But if you had a picture of that pineapple and you cut it in half and you could see the juiciness that's there, it creates yeah. a, the thought of, oh, I bet that's a juicy pineapple. Or when I know what that tastes mm-hmm. like. And that's more engaging and inviting. And it's, it's, it's that that you want to try and get over in images yeah. and, and things, you know? It's quite interesting when you know that you're looking to see what people, but when you see the, you might get a lot of um, interaction with one post, but not the other. And it's sometimes quite interesting. And it's usually special LinkedIn because, you know, one person likes it and it starts to sort of tenfold from there, doesn't it? It goes to their network and things like that. But I know, I know what you mean because sometimes it has to be, has to have that sort of depth to it, to give it a bit more. It does. And it's about making it relevant. And, and again, knowing who you're talking to and really it's your ideal customer. You know, we think as surveyors, it's just about doing the work, someone who'll pay you a fee to look at a property. But actually, there's an ideal customer behind that. And and that's yeah. the whole sort of sales and marketing, yeah. you know. Because, I mean, it sounds a bit, I love getting some nice feedback. I love, you know, going out to a home report last week and the state agent phoned me and they were like, well, that couple were just saying how nice you are, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, it's, it's nice to get that feedback, you know, from the stereotype of like old grumpy surveyor with a clipboard sort of thing. Um, I think it's nice to sort of break through that and be personable because I think, you know, although we love houses and property and valuation, it just comes down to people. And it's just the whole the whole job is everywhere you turn, it's about the person, isn't it, as well? You know, it comes back to that in terms of the client and ethics. It does. And yes, and yet there's a, there's a lot of surveyors who don't like talking to customers yeah. because of that sort of fear of you might say the wrong thing or, or actually it's just not your strength to be nice and chatty. Yeah. And there are ways that you can manage that and there are ways that you can learn to get in, engage with your, your customer. You just do it your own way. It's not everybody's way to be on Instagram like you are. It's not everybody's way to have a podcast where you just yabber on about everything like, like I do. You've got to own it and do it in your own way. But if you're, if you're getting over what you're about, why you do what you do, you talking and you're on in the podcast, you know, you, you've been excited and you can just see the enthusiasm. I mean, it's a podcast they can only hear, but, you know, I'm looking <laughs> at you and, you know, you can see you're still passionate about the job and, and excited yeah, about it. And, and it's those things that are just really hard to, to get over. But you want someone who's going to do a job for you that has that passion for the job and just loves it. And that's the message that most people need to, to get over. And importantly, it's not just for your customers. It's about people who might work for you as well. And I've seen lately, we had a post in the hub, allow recruiters in. 
But occasionally we have a post that says, you know, if anyone's looking for a job or has jobs to offer, keep it in this in this thread. So we have that occasionally. And I was looking down it the other day and it just said, you know, something like earn this much in this area, you know, job done kind of thing. Yeah. And I just thought, well, why would I? You know, why would I? I don't know. I don't no idea who you are. And when you're commenting in forums or you putting yourself out there, people notice. And it's again, it's that no like and trust. I know mm. I can trust that person because he's got an opinion or he's be I've seen them be supportive to someone else. Yeah. And that's the way to start with judgment almost, you know? One of the posts was quite interesting. Someone had asked, you know, what type of surveying am I going to earn the most money at? And it was all the comments under that. And people were actually, you know, instead of being like shutting it, they were given really detailed explanations to, you know, why you should think about things and well, you'd earn this doing this, but maybe you should think about what you want to do. And there was a real mix of opinion, but it was all quite well facilitated underneath. That was nice. Yeah. And having those kind of conversations with people, you know, I mean, yes, you know, we sort of do it in the surveyor hub, but that's also what I've covered in the mastermind as well. We, this, in this cohort, we had a couple of surveyors who worked for companies, but were thinking of working for themselves. One of them has actually gone to work for another company and the other one's set up for themselves, you know, and Sometimes you just need to work through that and to know what kind of person you are and where you're at at the moment. And that's yeah. okay. And, and that's what, what I love about coaching and what I find really interesting about getting to know surveyors. So, well, look, yeah. Kev, it's been really, really good to chat to you today. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Surveyor Hub podcast. We'd love it if you leave a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you want to find out more about how we're making a difference, visit us at blueboxpartners.com.